When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em, fight, 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 go. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined today by Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN. And back with us again, Blake Barrett's the president of the Institute for Athletes uh, Agency in downtown Minneapolis. We had him on probably a month or so ago to talk about Adam Thielen and, and kind of his rise across the NFL. But today, with the draft coming up, we want to talk a little bit about, Blake, I know something that has been, I think, a focus for you as an agent, just helping guys get ready to play in the NFL, All these, all these young guys that – come into a bunch of money that probably haven't really had that or, or really know much about how to manage it. We just kind of wanted to talk to you about um, what that's like as an agent to get guys ready for that and, and how to kind of avoid being on uh, 30 for 30 broke part two, as mm-hmm. it were. So um, thanks for coming back to the podcast. We're excited to have you back. Thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure catching up with you guys. Yeah, it's always fun. So with with that topic in general, as you get guys in your agency, and I know this year for you, you've I think you've said that this is probably one of the better groups of, of draft prospects that you've had. When you're trying to figure out who you want to work with, what is that process like in terms of how good of a player a guy is going to be versus how much he is going to be able to handle success once he does get to the NFL? Uh, well, I think you know for us, you have to identify good football players, but we're looking for certain characteristics that that are going to differentiate themselves from the masses, which sure. I think is just fundamentally they got to be guys that work hard, uh, that get it, that uh, are intelligent, that are mature, that are coachable, that are going to that you can rely on to do the things that are necessary when no one's watching and, yeah. and the lights aren't on and it's not game time because that's in my opinion, is what ultimately is going to separate yeah. those guys. And I don't, I don't necessarily need the best football players because, for the most part, every guy that I talk to or end up signing is going to get an opportunity. Yeah. Whether that is in a rookie minicamp tryout like Adam Thielen or a seventh-round pick like Kirk Coleman or a first-round pick like Adrian Claiborne, they're all going to get an opportunity. It's just where are they going to get the opportunity? How many opportunities will they get from there? Yeah. So I'm really... I'm really making a decision on whether to represent a player based on when you get that opportunity, do I feel comfortable with the fact that you're going to be prepared for it and take advantage of it? Yeah. Then it's kind of out of my hands at that point. It's 
okay, Kurt Coleman's going to get an opportunity as a seventh-round pick in Philly. Is he going to do the right things? I know he's going to do the right things. I know he's going to know the playbook. I know he's going to work hard. I know he's going to get an opportunity to play, whether that's in the preseason, whether it's because he beats someone out, whether it's because someone else gets hurt. So he's going to get his opportunity, and then what does he do with that opportunity? And some guys are going to make it and stay healthy, and some guys are not going to play well, but there's certain guys that I would bet on, and if they have those characteristics, then I would bet on them. I can't bet on 15 undrafted players every year because I have to maintain a living, yeah. but but I'm, I don't really care where these prognosticators have these guys, quote-unquote, getting drafted or projected, whether it's seventh round, first round, third round. We're two weeks from the draft, and these guys don't even these GMs don't know where these guys are getting drafted. <laughs> so for me to think where they're going to get drafted a year in advance is is not physically possible. Sure, right. Go, going back to, uh, to my strip days, we, we used to talk a lot, and and when you started too, Blake, I found it intriguing that you actually started with the goal of being different. I mean, because there are there are so many people in your field who will just take players. I mean, they're just they're looking for clients, and if you're a good guy, that's great. If you're a bad guy, that's great. Um, from that time. Going forward, how, how much have you been able to sort of hold to the philosophy of picking and choosing and also cultivating the, those people as or players as people? Because when, when we talked, I mean, you went through the entire process of, of there was an actual plan in place, not mm-hmm. just uh, I'll go talk to your GM and get more for you. Mm-hmm. But once I get more, if that happens, we'll go through a plan of, of your life going forward. How much have you been able to do that and continue a growth where players actually get this cash put in front of them. They don't go spend it. They actually start to manage it. Yeah, well, I mean, for starters, we've really stuck to it. Uh, we've we've kind of picked out what's important to us, and that's what we've that's what we've stuck to. We've gone after players that we believe in that fit those characteristics. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but we feel that they're going to listen. We feel that they're going to grow. We feel that they're coachable. Uh, it hasn't always panned out. Um, but we we certainly have have stuck to our script in that format. We're not throwing a fishing pole out to 150 guys or whatever 20 we reel in we reel in. In fact, we probably say no to three or four or five guys every single year that want to sign with us. Some maybe middle round picks, some later round picks, some earlier round picks. But if I feel like I'm a good enough judge of character at this point that if I sit down with someone, I can tell within 30 seconds of sitting down with them whether this is someone that I'm going to mesh well with or someone that I'm not. Yeah. It's just we're not – life's too short. We're getting busier and busier. We're not going to chase guys. We're not going to babysit guys. Uh, we want guys that that are going to listen. And ultimately, we're just, we're just telling them things that's going to be in their best interest. And that's why it's been rewarding for us. That's why I've enjoyed what I'm doing uh, because we're working with guys that I would – that I consider friends, guys that I would hang out with on a Thursday night, not because I have to, but because we want to. My personality just is if I'm not into what's going on, I'm just completely checked out. So it's it's never going to work with someone that I feel like I'm just doing it to collect a paycheck for. So as far as the education, you know, I think we do a pretty good job of setting realistic expectations far prior to them ever having money or far prior to them being drafted. Uh, that's part of the educational process. You know, when I go sit down with Jonathan Allen 10 times over the course of a year and his family another four or five or six times, every time we go in there, it's another it's, – it's, we're educating him about another aspect of his life. And those are just the in-person meetings. Then there's phone calls and emails and follow-ups. Sometimes it's about financial literacy. Sometimes it's about – nutrition sometimes it's about marketing sometimes it's about your first off-season mini off-season training for then it's about mini camp or the draft or 
public relations or social media. So there's all these different aspects that we're talking to these guys about, and we're trying to do it in a way where we're not preaching to them and we're not boring them, but we're giving them real-life examples of why why these things are important. And ultimately, it all comes down to whether they trust you. If they trust you, then then they'll continue to listen. If And if they're mature, they'll continue to listen. If they understand we're trying to help them, they'll continue to listen. Not every guy's like that. I mean, most guys aren't like that. So, you know, I try to find that happy balance between being annoying and being talking <laughs> down to them like I'm their father and <laughs> being their friend, but also being someone that has been through the good and the bad and the indifferent in this business and can help them avoid uh, some of the pitfalls. So, And I, I guess this is probably a question that, presumes that most 21 year old single men and in most cases are not the most financially prudent people in the world but so it, players maybe not may not be that different than uh than your average recent college graduate in that regard but what percentage of guys that that you talk to if you had to put a ballpark on it know what a savings account is, know how to set up a retirement account. Just in terms of financial literacy, where is the the group of players that you get in front of every year? And maybe not even the guys that you sign, but guys that you just talk to and say, hey, maybe we're thinking about signing you. Yeah, you know what? I mean, normally I would say a small percentage, but then like this year's class, we have two two of our guys in our class are majoring in financial planning. We have another two guys that you know, when we when we when we sign players, part of their rookie packages, we give guys a thousand dollar a month stipend. Okay, right? It that's spend it how you want. You want to pay off parking tickets from college. <laughs> you want to buy a thousand dollar pair of shoes. Do whatever you want with it because your training's covered, your massage is covered, your rent's covered, your food's covered, everything's covered. So this is, you know, you have a thousand dollars of extra cash per month where this should be more than enough money to get by based on you surviving off of a scholarship check that didn't even cover those fixed costs. So this is. This is the first lesson in manage your money. Yeah. Like this is a thousand dollars that you want to buy your girlfriend roses for Valentine's Day. Do whatever you want with it, but this should last every month. And we don't want you coming back saying I'm out of money. So this is when you sign guys before they're drafted, right? So they're done in January with sure. the bowl game, yep. and we send them to their training facility or wherever they are, and everything's covered. They could go out there with their backpack and nothing else, and all they would have to do is worry about waking up on time every day. The massage is covered, the nutrition, the food, the rental car, the Housing, everything's covered, and this is just an additional thousand dollars a month to start to budget it, start right. to manage it. And not one guy ever asked us for another dollar. Most of the guys said, "Wow, this is more than enough money. Um, I'll be perfectly fine. I still have an extra five hundred dollars from my last scholarship check." So it was a very cerebral group. It was, it was guys that got it. Um, they weren't getting help from other people. Now, one of these guys asked me for one thing, and which is, you know, I talk to colleagues in this business that are other agents, and there's guys that are asking for the world. There's guys that are asking for two hundred fifty thousand bucks. There's guys that are asking how rare that must be. You know, like there's one of one of Jonathan Allen's teammates is already driving around a two hundred thousand dollar vehicle yeah. around Tuscaloosa, that's not going to be drafted as high as Jonathan, <laughs> and who knows where he's getting that money? Maybe he's getting it from an agent or a financial advisor, or he's borrowing it, but. When all of these players are taking money from however they can get it, and these guys aren't even drafted yet, they're making decisions. These guys are already going into the NFL in debt prior to even yeah. knowing 
where they're going to get drafted. So if you're this kid at Alabama that's driving down, driving around a two hundred thousand dollar vehicle, the kid, the corner from Washington just tore his Achilles or tore his ACL or whatever it was at yeah. the at the pro day. So you think you're maybe going first or second round? Maybe you go fourth or fifth now. Well, now your net after your signing bonus of four or five hundred grand is your two hundred thousand dollar vehicle yeah. expense. So you've just spent your entire net worth on a vehicle <laughs> without having any information. And the problem, and not is much like, of it's guaranteed anymore either. Right. So. You know, I blame some of the kids, but I also blame the adults that are allowing this to happen uh, because most young men that don't have anything and have an opportunity to get a brand new $200,000 car, if, if it's presented in a way that, hey, you can get this because you're going to get why are going to take it. So uh, that's just not how we operate. And if guys asked, did ask me for that, we wouldn't do it. It's just not, it's not in their best interest. And it's not, even if someone was going to be the number one pick in the draft if, and said to me, hey, Blake, I'll sign with you, but I need you to loan me $250,000, right? I know I'm going to get the money back, but it's setting such a terrible precedent that it's going to be really hard to pull the strings back in in May or June or a year from now or two years from now. It's just I'm, I'm a huge proponent of just learning good habits. That doesn't yeah. mean you can't buy nice stuff. I like nice stuff. I have a nice car. I have a nice watch. I have a nice house. I like nice stuff, but there's a there's a prudent way to do it, and so – in everything, you know, our client who, who wanted to finally get in a vehicle, we reached, we did everything in our power. We reached out to every dealership all across the country to see if we could first get a deal. Like, give him this loaner car for a year or two like we have with Adam Thielen. He gets a free car. He does gives away some tickets. He sure. does a commercial. That's, that's, the, that's the best case scenario. You spend no money and you're in the car of your dreams. If not, then let's figure out the most economical way to do it. Does it make most sense to lease it? Does it make most sense to get a new 2016 versus a 2017? We're spending a lot of time and energy to save them dollars, even though in one phone call they could just get a $120,000 vehicle and it's off our plate and we're not worried about it. We know they're going to be able to pay it back. But we're just teaching them that a dollar saved is a dollar earned. Try to create good habits. Let's. You're probably going to want a new vehicle in three years. Let's keep that in mind. Let's just not go rush out and at the snap of a finger go do something. Because whenever you do something when it's not planned, all these guys want to – want to do something at the last second, it's always more expensive. You want to buy tickets last second, it's more expensive. You want to buy an airline ticket last second, it's more expensive. You want to get into the nice hotel room last second, it's more expensive. So start to plan, which is just part of having some responsibility and accountability. And listen, I don't suggest you buy the car tomorrow. Ultimately, here's the risks. If you buy the car tomorrow, here's what can happen. This is, you know, and some guys may say, Blake, I don't care. I want to get the car tomorrow. More power to them, but at least they're hearing our advice. And we we don't have to... We don't have to agree on 100% of things, but the majority of the time, they understand we're doing things that are in their best interest. So we're trying to create good habits. I think that's the main the main point of it. Yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons people are so fascinated with things like broke is that there's always, at least in the general public, there's sort of this idea of like, well, these guys get X number of dollars a year, some seven-figure salary a year. How in the world could they blow through all of it? But kind of what you talk about there gets to the to, to the root of it. Is I would imagine you have a lot of guys around the league that come in to the NFL with either a lot of bad financial advice or a lot of people that are asking for something or are promising a return on investment that may not be there. How much of it is is fighting through either people around them or just their own kind of kind of way of thinking about things their own i guess uh it's both i mean at the end of the day one it's not nearly as much money as everyone thinks they're just not making that much money like a second round pick 
there's real world money and there's NFL money. A second round pick who is you know top sixty four, you know they're making they're averaging eight hundred grand a year. Okay, in the real world that's a boatload of money, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to diminish eight hundred thousand dollars because it's a lot of money. It's more than I make a year, but after taxes it's maybe five hundred grand, yep. and they're not the doctor that's going to make eight hundred grand for the next thirty forty years. Yeah. They're, so their investment strategy has to be completely different than you or I, whose money can be invested over the next 40, 50 years, and it's not. These it's financial robust outlook on the future of journalism, but I appreciate well, it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's either way. Whatever, Even if you're able to put 10 or 20 or yeah. 5, whatever it is you put away, over the course of time, that money's going to go up, yep. and, you, and it's going to continue to compound, whereas these guys are going to earn, 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 and it's going to drop off to yep. nothing, and their expenses are going to keep going like this while their revenue stream goes to nothing very quickly. That right. could be three years, four years, five years, so... The strategy behind how they should be investing is is a major part of the problem because all it needs to be is save, tax implications, budget, and make sure that if I never earn a dollar past my signing bonus and, or guarantee, then I know exactly how long I can live or how much I have to make, period. That's all they need to know. And that's without any divorce, child support, major things that can greatly diminish their assets and in one one event right what do you tell uh prospective clients and current clients about what i consider to be the most dangerous thing out there for athletes friends and family because i think if you just spend it all on yourself you can go broke but it's going to take a while but i think the most common thing that you see is all of a sudden running back x is rich mm-hmm. and all of his buddies and his family are there and and i think there's no quicker way to go through that cash wad than to say new car for you yep. house for you yep. it's one thing to help your parents that's a great thing mm-hmm. it's another to try and help everybody for sure yeah i mean it's one of the first things we teach them is you just got to say no or you know, I'm happy to be the bad guy. Tell everyone that wants something, I would love to help you. Let me just check with Blake. Call Blake or send me the information because then you can always be the good guy. You can say, yeah, I would love to help, but I have a plan in place. And let me be the bad guy. Let the financial advisor be the bad guy. I'm happy to educate anyone in that arena, mom, dad, uncle, friend, coach, whoever they want to help. Let me help educate them because they need to see that just because you're playing football on Sundays – and you signed a $5 million contract, this is what's actually guaranteed. This is what's going into your pocket. This is now the tax bracket that you're in. You haven't even had kids yet. You haven't sent them to school yet. So if they actually care about you, then they would they would take the time to understand this. And if you can't help yourself, then you're not going to be able to help anybody else anyway. So the guys that buy into that are the guys that are going to be fine. The guys that say, eh, don't worry about it, I'm fine, it's going to be very difficult to help them no matter who their agent is, no matter who their financial advisor is, no matter who's around them, because some guys, some guys just have to hit rock bottom before they can get back up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great your doctor or your lawyer is or whoever's in your corner if you're not even telling them the truth anyway. So it's the same thing. Like if you're going to help mom, this is what I would recommend. This is what you can afford. Uh, but it can't. Listen, if you can afford three grand a month, more power to you. Write her a check for three grand a month. It'll hit her account. And if she wants to spend that three grand on a purse, more power to her. If she wants to spend three thousand dollars investing it in the, her granddaughter's education, mm-hmm. more power to you. But when the time comes when you're going to go to the Super Bowl, it can't be. Well, here's the three grand, but I also need plane tickets, and I also need food, and I also need hotel rooms because you're going to pay for that. So bringing twenty five people to the Super Bowl, 
is going to cost you a hundred grand. Yeah. Who's paying for that? And for you to spend a hundred grand, you got to make hundred eighty grand. So no one around you actually understands this concept. So I'm happy to educate them because you don't fully understand this, so you're not going to be able to properly educate them. And the people that you trust the most know the least about the stuff that you need to know about. So and you got to you got to talk to them in terms that they understand. It's no different. You know, I tell guys all the time that. It's no different than me stepping on the field for you tomorrow. I don't know your defense. I don't know the language. I don't know the checks. I don't know the reads. I don't know the blitzes. I don't know the pickups. I don't know anything. I'm smart enough. Give me a month or two months or three months, and I'll pick it up. This business and financial world and everything is the exact same situation. You have to put the time in to understand it. I'll explain it in a way that you'll understand it, but you can't just say, Blake, I trust you. Go do it because you're not going to get it. You're not going to be able to reiterate to your uncle why you can't do it. They're just going to say – you made $3 million last year. Why can't you give me $5,000 to for my daughter's wedding or to help the church or whatever? Well, 5000 is really 9000 to you or 8500 to you. And then aunt is also asking for five, and your sister asked for twelve, And so it's not just five. So whatever, whatever plan you want to have in place, let's put it in place and let's stick to it. And if a year from now you want to move that three grand to two grand or three grand to four grand, let's put it into the spreadsheet. Let's see how that pans out, and you'll know – if you want to retire at 31 and you want to live the life you're living, which after we have some months of you having money, we know what your spending habits are. Are you spending eight grand a month or are you spending 18 grand a month? If you want to be able to spend 18 grand a month for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to have to make. So it's very, it, it ends up just being mathematics. It's very simple. Oh, Blake, I lived off $1,000 a month in college. There's no way I'm going to spend $8,000 a month. I'll bet you everything that I own, you'll be spending $8,000 a month (laughs) in two months. Every single player that I've sat down with from the time I got in this business, no, Blake, it won't be me. There's no way. Every time they get drafted, they sign their contract. By the time I sit down with them their first NFL season, I'll average it out. They'll they'll be spending 10 times more than they thought. And it doesn't always mean it's wasted money. It's just rent is expensive. You paid your agent. You paid to train in the offseason. You paid for food. You had to buy furniture. You had to buy your car. It's not wasted money. These are just life expenses that you've never had to deal with before. You had to get cable in, and you had your dogs, and you had to put them in a kennel, and you (laughs) flew here, and mom needed help. It's fine. You're spending $9,000 a month, but these are the facts. This isn't Blake thinking you're going to and you telling me you're not going to. These are the facts. This is exactly what you spent. You took you took three of your friends to Miami and you picked up every tab. That was seven thousand dollars. You didn't tell me you were going to spend that entire month and you spent it in three days in Miami. Yeah. So here's <laughs> here's here's the reality. And in, and if you're comfortable with this lifestyle, more power to you. Nine thousand dollars a month for the rest of your life. This is what you're going to have to make. And it's pretty simple. Yeah. And then they're like, oh shit, you're you're right. <laughs> I am spending that. Yeah. So so when you have guys. How much, and answer this however specifically you want to, but how much control do you guys put on them in terms of, is it just we give you advice and you do what you want with it, or are you doing things like, if you're going to be with us, we're going to have I mean, we're going to have your checks and then you get an allowance or we get your signing bonus and we'll give it to you as, as we see fit. Yeah, so, how much control do you so we don't ever physically that? touch any money sure we don't ever trade a stock we don't have access to their checking account it all comes down to who they want to hire as their financial advisor or money manager sure. and most of the guys end up trusting me enough that they say blake what do you think and and or they already have a financial advisor picked out and they'll say blake do you mind overseeing them or looking into them what i prefer they do to ensure that i know they're going to be taken care of properly is I would prefer to sit them down with four or five financial advisors that I already trust, I've already worked with, I already know 
inherently that they're going to be good people and say, you know what, go interview them, sit down with your family and pick the one that you like the best or you mesh well with the best, or I'll try to direct them to one that I think has a, a personality match. And then I'm as involved or uninvolved in that process as they want. But if they choose someone that I know, I can check in. I can say, how's he doing with sure. his money? Is he above? Is he below? And they can kind of tip me off a little bit. Hey, get on this person. He During OTAs, he spends more money because he's bored and he goes out. You know, At 1 <laughs> o'clock, he's out of the facility and he goes to the mall and he buys nonsense. Okay, I can have a conversation then. It'll never get to the point where they're like broke and then someone will come back to me and say, it's too late. It's It's monitored from afar and the people I'm – I would encourage them to sign with are people that are going to communicate. They're not going to let them get away with murder because they'll fire the client before those guys. If a guy's going to run himself into the ground and they've tried to help time and time and time and time again, then they're going to say, hey, Blake and -and so-and-so client, we got to sit down and have a discussion. Something's got to change or, you know, you got to go because there's nothing I can do to help you. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, Mm -hmm. we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined today by Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN. And back with us again, Blake Barrett's the president of the Institute for Athletes uh, Agency in downtown Minneapolis. We had him on probably a month or so ago to talk about Adam Thielen and, and kind of his rise across the NFL. But today, with the draft coming up, we want to talk a little bit about Blake. I know something that has been, I think, a focus for you as an agent, just helping guys get ready to play in the NFL, All these, all these young guys that – come into a bunch of money that probably haven't really had that or, or really know much about how to manage it. We just kind of wanted to talk to you about um, what that's like as an agent to get guys ready for that and, and how to kind of avoid being on uh, 30 for 30 broke part two, as mm-hmm. it were. So um, thanks for coming back to the podcast. We're excited to have you back. Thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure catching up with you guys. Yeah, it's always fun. So with with that topic in general, as you get guys in your agency, and I know this year for you, you've—I think you've said that this is probably one of the better groups of, of draft prospects that you've had. When you're trying to figure out who you want to work with, what is that process like in terms of how good of a player a guy is going to be versus how much he is going to be able to handle success once he does get to the NFL? Uh, well, I think you know for us. You have to identify good football players, but we're looking for certain characteristics that that are going to differentiate themselves from the masses, which sure. I think is just fundamentally they got to be guys that work hard, uh, that get it, that uh, are intelligent, that are mature, that are coachable, that are going to that you can rely on to do the things that are necessary when no one's watching and, yeah. and the lights aren't on and it's not game time because that's in my opinion, is what ultimately is going to separate yeah. those guys. And I don't I don't necessarily need the best football players because, for the most part, every guy that I talk to or end up signing is going to get an opportunity, yeah. whether that is in a rookie minicamp tryout like Adam Thielen or a seventh-round pick like Kirk Coleman or a first-round pick like Adrian Claiborne. They're all going to get an opportunity. It's just where are they going to get the opportunity? How many opportunities will they get from there? Yeah. So I'm really... I'm really 
making a decision on whether to represent a player based on when you get that opportunity, do I feel comfortable with the fact that you're going to be prepared for it and take advantage of it? Yeah. Then it's kind of out of my hands at that point. It's, okay, Kurt Coleman's going to get an opportunity as a seventh-round pick in Philly. Is he going to do the right things? I know he's going to do the right things. I know he's going to know the playbook. I know he's going to work hard. I know he's going to get an opportunity to play, whether that's in the preseason, whether it's because he beats someone out, whether it's because someone else gets hurt. So he's going to get his opportunity, and then what does he do with that opportunity? And some guys are going to make it and stay healthy, and some guys are not going to play well, but there's certain guys that I would bet on, and if they have those characteristics, then I would bet on them. I can't bet on 15 undrafted players every year because I have to maintain a living, yeah. but but I'm, I don't really care where these prognosticators have these guys, quote-unquote, getting drafted or projected, whether it's seventh round, first round, third round. We're two weeks from the draft, and these guys don't even these GMs don't know where these guys are getting drafted. So for me to think where they're going to get drafted a year in advance is is not physically possible. Sure, right. Going back to, uh, to my strip days, we used to talk a lot, and and when you started too, Blake, I found it intriguing that you actually started with the goal of being different. I mean, because there are there are so many people in your field who will just take players. I mean, they're just they're looking for clients, and if you're a good guy, that's great. If you're a bad guy, that's great. Um, from that time. Going forward, how, how much have you been able to sort of hold to the philosophy of picking and choosing and also cultivating the, those people as or players as people? Because when, when we talked, I mean, you went through the entire process of, of there was an actual plan in place, not mm-hmm. just uh, I'll go talk to your GM and get more for you. Mm-hmm. But once I get more, if that happens, we'll go through a plan of, of your life going forward. How much have you been able to do that and continue a growth where players actually get this cash put in front of them. They don't go spend it. They actually start to manage it. Yeah, well, I mean, for starters, we've really stuck to it. Uh, we've we've kind of picked out what's important to us, and that's what we've that's what we've stuck to. We've gone after players that we believe in that fit those characteristics. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but we feel that they're going to listen. We feel that they're going to grow. We feel that they're coachable. Uh, it hasn't always panned out. Um, but we we certainly have have stuck to our script in that format. We're not throwing a fishing pole out to 150 guys or whatever 20 we reel in, we reel in. In fact, we probably say no to three or four or five guys every single year that want to sign with us. Some maybe middle round picks, some later round picks, some earlier round picks. But if I feel like I'm a good enough judge of character at this point that if I sit down with someone, I can tell within 30 seconds of sitting down with them whether this is someone that I'm going to mesh well with or someone that I'm not. Yeah. It's just we're not – life's too short. We're getting busier and busier. We're not going to chase guys. We're not going to babysit guys. Uh, we want guys that that are going to listen. And ultimately, we're just, we're just telling them things that's going to be in their best interest. And that's why it's been rewarding for us. That's why I've enjoyed what I'm doing uh, because we're working with guys that I would – that I consider friends, guys that I would hang out with on a Thursday night, not because I have to, but because we want to. My personality just is if I'm not into what's going on, I'm just completely checked out. So it's it's never going to work with someone that I feel like I'm just doing it to collect a paycheck for. So as far as the education, you know, I think we do a pretty good job of setting realistic expectations far prior to them ever having money or far prior to them being drafted. Uh, That's part of the educational process. You know, when I go sit down with Jonathan Allen 10 times over the course of a year and his family, another four or five or six times, every time we go in there, it's another, it's, it's, we're educating him about another aspect of his life. And 
those are just the in-person meetings. Then there's phone calls and emails and follow-ups. Sometimes it's about financial literacy. Sometimes it's about nutrition. Sometimes it's about marketing. Sometimes it's about your first off-season mini off-season training. For, then it's about mini camp or the draft or public relations or social media. So there's all these different aspects that we're talking to these guys about, and we're trying to do it in a way where we're not preaching to them and we're not boring them. But we're giving them real life examples of why why these things are important. And ultimately it all comes down to whether they trust you. If they trust you, then then they'll continue to listen. If and if they're mature, they'll continue to listen. If they understand we're trying to help them, they'll continue to listen. Not every guy's like that. I mean, most guys aren't like that. So, you know, I try to find that happy balance between being annoying and being talking <laughs> down to them like I'm their father and <laughs> being their friend, but also being someone that has been through the good and the bad and the indifferent in this business and can help them avoid uh, some of the pitfalls. So, And I, I guess this is probably a question that presumes that most 21-year-old single men, and in most cases, are not the most financially prudent people in the world. But so it, players maybe not may not be that different than, uh, than your average recent college graduate in that regard, but... What percentage of guys that that you talk to, if you had to put a ballpark on it, know what a savings account is, know how to set up a retirement account? Just in terms of financial literacy, where is the the group of players that you get in front of every year? And maybe not even the guys that you sign, but guys that you just talk to and say, hey, maybe we're thinking about signing you. Yeah, you know what? I mean, normally I would say a small percentage, but then like this year's class, we have two two of our guys in our class are majoring in financial planning. We have another two guys that, you know, when we when we when we sign players, part of their rookie packages, we give guys a thousand dollar a month stipend. Okay, right? It that's spend it how you want. You want to pay off parking tickets from college, <laughs> you want to buy a thousand dollar pair of shoes, do whatever you want with it because your training's covered, your massage is covered, your rent's covered, your food's covered, everything's covered. So this is, you know, you have a thousand dollars of extra cash per month where. This should be more than enough money to get by based on you surviving off of a scholarship check that didn't even cover those fixed costs. So this is this is the first lesson in manage your money. Yeah. Like this is a thousand dollars that you want to buy your girlfriend roses for Valentine's Day, do whatever you want with it, but this should last every month. And we don't want you coming back saying, I'm out of money. So this is when you sign guys before they're drafted. Right. So they're done in January with sure. the bowl game yep. and we send them their training facility or wherever they are, and everything's covered. They could go out there with their backpack and nothing else, and all they would have to do is worry about waking up on time every day. The massage is covered, the nutrition, the food, the rental car, the housing, everything's covered. And this is just an additional $1,000 a month to start to budget it, start to manage it. And not one guy ever asked us for another dollar. Most of the guys said, wow, this is more than enough money. Um, I'll be perfectly fine. I still have an extra $500 from my last scholarship check. So it was a very cerebral group. It It was guys that got it. Um, they weren't getting help from other people. Now, one of these guys asked me for one thing, and which is, you know, I talk to colleagues in this business that are other agents, and there's guys that are asking for the world. There's guys that are asking for two hundred fifty thousand bucks. There's guys that are asking how rare that must be. You know, like there's one of one of Jonathan Allen's teammates is already driving around a two hundred thousand dollar vehicle yeah. around Tuscaloosa. That's not going to be drafted as high as Jonathan, <laughs> and who knows where he's getting that money? Maybe he's getting it from an agent or a financial advisor or he's borrowing it. But when all of these players are taking money from however they can get it 
and these guys aren't even drafted yet. They're making decisions. These guys are already going into the NFL in debt prior to even yeah. knowing where they're going to get drafted. So if you're this kid at Alabama that's driving down, driving around a two hundred thousand dollar vehicle, the kid, the corner from Washington just tore his Achilles or tore his ACL or whatever it was at yeah. the at the pro day. So you think you're maybe going first or second round? Maybe you go fourth or fifth now. Well, now your net after your signing bonus of four or five hundred grand is your two hundred thousand dollar vehicle yeah. expense. So you've just spent your entire net worth on a vehicle without having any information. And the problem, and not is like, much of it's guaranteed anymore either. Right. So, you know, I blame some of the kids, but I also blame the adults that are allowing this to happen uh, because most young men that don't have anything and have an opportunity to get a brand new two hundred thousand dollar car, if if it's presented in a way that, hey, you can get this because you're going to get why are going to take it. So uh, that's just not how we operate. And if guys asked, did ask me for that, we wouldn't do it. It's just not, it's not in their best interest. And it's not, even if someone was going to be the number one pick in the draft if, and said to me, hey, Blake, I'll sign with you, but I need you to loan me $250,000, right? I know I'm going to get the money back, but it's setting such a terrible precedent that it's going to be really hard to pull the strings back in in May or June or a year from now or two years from now, it's just I'm, I'm a huge proponent of just learning good habits. That doesn't yeah. mean you can't buy nice stuff. I like nice stuff. I have a nice car. I have a nice watch. I have a nice house. I like nice stuff. But there's a there's a prudent way to do it. And so in everything, you know, our client who, who wanted to finally get in a vehicle, we, reached, we did everything in our power. We reached out to every dealership all across the country to see if we could first get a deal. Like – Give him this loaner car for a year or two like we have with Adam Thielen. He gets a free car. He does gives away some tickets. He sure. does a commercial. That's, that's, the, that's the best case scenario. You spend no money and you're in the car of your dreams. If not, then let's figure out the most economical way to do it. Does it make most sense to lease it? Does it make most sense to get a new 2016 versus a 2017? We're spending a lot of time and energy to save them dollars, even though in one phone call they could just get a $120,000 vehicle and it's off our plate and we're not worried about it. We know they're going to be able to pay it back. But we're just teaching them that a dollar saved is a dollar earned. Try to create good habits. Let's. You're probably going to want a new vehicle in three years. Let's keep that in mind. Let's just not go rush out and at the snap of a finger go do something. Because whenever you do something when it's not planned, all these guys want to – want to do something at the last second, it's always more expensive. You want to buy tickets last second, it's more expensive. You want to buy an airline ticket last second, it's more expensive. You want to get into the nice hotel room last second, it's more expensive. So start to plan, which is just part of having some responsibility and accountability. And listen, I don't suggest you buy the car tomorrow. Ultimately, here's the risks. If you buy the car tomorrow, here's what can happen. This is, you know, and some guys may say, Blake, I don't care. I want to get the car tomorrow. More power to them, but at least they're hearing our advice. And we don't have to... We don't have to agree on 100% of things, but the majority of the time, they understand we're doing things that are in their best interest. So we're trying to create good habits. I think that's the main the main point of it. Yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons people are so fascinated with things like broke is that there's always, at least in the general public, there's sort of this idea of like, well, these guys get X number of dollars a year, some seven-figure salary a year. How in the world could they blow through all of it? But kind of what you talk about there gets to the to, to the root of it. Is I would imagine you have a lot of guys around the league that come in to the NFL with either a lot of bad financial advice or a lot of people that are asking for something or are promising a return on investment that may not be there. How much of it is is fighting through either people around them or just their own kind of kind of way of thinking about things, their own, 
I guess. Uh, it's both. I mean, at the end of the day, one, it's not nearly as much money as everyone thinks. They're yeah. just not making that much yeah. money. Like a second-round pick, there's real-world money and there's NFL money. A second-round pick who is, you know, top 64 – you know they're making they're averaging eight hundred grand a year. Okay, in the real world, that's a boatload of money, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to diminish eight hundred thousand dollars because it's a lot of money. It's more than I make a year, but after taxes, it's maybe five hundred grand. Yep. And they're not the doctor that's going to make eight hundred grand for the next thirty, forty years. Yeah. They're, so their investment strategy has to be completely different than you or I, whose money can be invested over the next forty, fifty years, and it's not these it's financial robust outlook on the future of journalism, but. It... Well, it. yeah, I mean, it's it's either way. Whatever, even if you're able to put ten or twenty or yeah. five, whatever it is, you put away over the course of time, that money's going to go up, yep. and you and it's going to continue to compound. Whereas these guys are going to earn, 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 and it's going to drop off to yep. nothing, and their expenses are going to keep going like this while their revenue stream goes to nothing very quickly. That right. could be three years, four years, five years. So, the strategy behind how they should be investing is is a major part of the problem because all it needs to be is save, tax implications, budget. And make sure that if I never earn a dollar past my signing bonus and or guarantee, then I know exactly how long I can live or how much I have to make. Period. That's all they need to know. And that's without any divorce, child support, major things that can greatly diminish their assets in in one one event. Right. What do you tell uh, prospective clients and current clients about what I consider to be the most dangerous thing out there? for athletes, friends, and family. Because I think if you just spend it all on yourself, you can go broke, but it's going to take a while. But I think the most common thing that you see is all of a sudden running back X is rich mm-hmm. and all of his buddies and his family are there. And, and I think there's no quicker way to go through that cash wad than to say new car for you, yep. house for you. Yep. It's one thing to help your parents. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. It's another to try and help everybody. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the first things we teach them is you just got to say no. Or, you know, I'm happy to be the bad guy. Tell everyone that wants something, I would love to help you. Let me just check with Blake. Call Blake or send me the information. Because then you can always be the good guy. You can say, yeah, I would love to help, but I have a plan in place. And let me be the bad guy. Let the financial advisor be the bad guy. I'm happy to educate anyone in that arena mom dad uncle friend coach whoever they want to help let me help educate them because they need to see that just because you're playing football on sundays and you signed a five million dollar contract this is what's actually guaranteed this is what's going into your pocket this is now the tax bracket that you're in you haven't even had kids yet you haven't sent them to school yet so if they actually care about you then they would they would take the time to understand this and if you can't help yourself then you're not gonna be able to help anybody else anyway so the guys that buy into that are the guys that are going to be fine. The guys that say, eh, don't worry about it, I'm fine, it's going to be very difficult to help them no matter who their agent is, no matter who their financial advisor is, no matter who's around them because some guys, some guys just have to hit rock bottom before they can get back up. It doesn't matter It doesn't matter how great your doctor or your lawyer is or whoever's in your corner if you're not even telling them the truth anyway. So it's the same thing. Like if you're going to help mom, this is what I would recommend. This is what you can afford, uh, but it can't. Listen, if you can afford three grand a month, more power to you. Write her a check for three grand a month. It'll hit her account. And if she wants to spend that three grand on a purse, more power to her. If she wants to spend $3,000 investing it in the, her granddaughter's education, mm-hmm. more power to you. But when the time comes, when you're going to go to the Super Bowl, 
it can't be. Well, here's the three grand, but I also need plane tickets. And I also need food, and I also need hotel rooms because you're going to pay for that. So bringing 25 people to the Super Bowl is going to cost you 100 grand. Yeah. Who's paying for that? And for you to spend 100 grand, you got to make 180 grand. So no one around you actually understands this concept. So I'm happy to educate them because you don't fully understand this, so you're not going to be able to properly educate them. And the people that you trust the most know the least about the stuff that you need to know about. So and you got to you got to talk to them in terms that they understand. It's no different. You know, I tell guys all the time that it's no different than me stepping on the field for you tomorrow. I don't know your defense. I don't know the language. I don't know the checks. I don't know the reads. I don't know the blitzes. I don't know the pickups. I don't know anything. I'm smart enough. Give me a month or two months or three months, and I'll pick it up. This business and financial world and everything is the exact same situation. You have to put the time in to understand it. I'll explain it in a way that you'll understand it. But you can't just say, Blake, I trust you. Go do it because you're not going to get it. You're not going to be able to reiterate to your uncle why you can't do it. They're just going to say, you made $3 million last year. Why can't you give me $5,000 to for my daughter's wedding or to help the church or whatever? Well, 5000 is really 9000 to you or 8500 to you. And then aunt is also asking for five and your sister asked for 12. And so it's not just five. So whatever – Whatever plan you want to have in place, let's put it in place and let's stick to it. And if a year from now you want to move that three grand to two grand or three grand to four grand, let's put it into the spreadsheet. Let's see how that pans out. And you'll know if you want to retire at 31 and you want to live the life you're living, which after we have some months of you having money, we know what your spending habits are. Are you spending eight Mm -hmm. grand a month or are you spending 18 grand a month? If you want to be able to spend 18 grand a month for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to have to make. So it's very – it ends up just being mathematics. It's very simple. Oh, Blake, I lived off $1,000 a month in college. There's no way I'm going to spend $8,000 a month. I'll bet you everything that I own, you'll be spending $8,000 a month in two months. Every single player that I've sat down with from the time I got in this business, no, Blake, it won't be me. There's no way. Every time they get drafted, they sign their contract. By the time I sit down with them their first NFL season, I'll average it out. They'll, they'll be spending 10 times more than they thought. And it doesn't always mean it's wasted money. It's just rent is expensive. You paid your agent. You paid to train in the offseason. You paid for food. You had to buy furniture. You had to buy your car. It's not wasted money. These are just life expenses that you've never had to deal with yeah. before. You had to get cable in, and you had your dogs, and you had to put them in a kennel, and you <laughs> flew here, and mom needed help. It's fine. You're spending $9,000 a month, but these are the facts. This isn't Blake thinking you're going to and you telling me you're not going to. These are the facts. This is exactly what you spent. You took you took three of your friends to Miami and you picked up every tab. That was $7,000. You didn't tell me you were going to spend that entire month and you spent it in three days in Miami. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's the reality. And, in, and if you're comfortable with this lifestyle, more power to you. $9,000 a month for the rest of your life, this is what you're going to have to make. And it's pretty simple. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, shit. You're you're right. <laughs> I am spending that. Yeah. So so when you have guys, how much and answer this however specifically you want to, but how much control do you guys put on them in terms of? Is it just we give you advice and you do what you want with it, or are you doing things like if you're going to be with us, we're going to have I mean, we're going to have your checks, and then you get an allowance, or we get your signing bonus and we'll give it to you as, as we see fit. Yeah, so, How much control do you So we don't ever physically that? touch any money. Sure. We don't ever trade a stock. We don't have access to their checking account. It all comes down to who they want to hire as their financial advisor or money manager. Sure. And most of the guys end up trusting me enough that they say, Blake, what do you think? And then, and Or they already have a financial advisor picked out and they'll say, Blake, do you mind overseeing them or looking into them? 
What I prefer they do to ensure that I know they're going to be taken care of properly is I would prefer to sit them down with four or five financial advisors that I already trust, I've already worked with, I already know inherently that they're going to be good people and say, you know what, go interview them, sit down with your family and pick the one that you like the best or you mesh well with the best or I'll try to direct them to one that I think has a a personality match. And then I'm as involved or uninvolved in that process as they want. But if they choose someone that I know, I can check in. I can say, how's he doing with his money? Is he above? Is he below? And they can kind of tip me off a little bit. Hey, get on this person. He During OTAs, he spends more money because he's bored and he goes out. You know, At 1 <laughs> o'clock, he's out of the facility and he goes to the mall and he buys nonsense. Okay, I can have a conversation then. It'll never get to the point where they're like broke and then someone will come back to me and say it's too late. It's It's monitored from afar and the people I'm – I would encourage them to sign with are people that are going to communicate. They're not going to let them get away with murder because they'll fire the client before those guys. If a guy's going to run himself into the ground and they've tried to help time and time and time and time again, then they're going to say, hey, Blake and -and so-and-so client, we got to sit down and have a discussion. Something's got to change or, you know, you got to go because there's nothing I can do to help you. 